So uh, today it's the first event of our autumn term Canadian Studies programme. I'm delighted to welcome Jatinda Mann and Carl Bridge uh, to talk about Jatinda's new book. I just met Jatinda 17 years ago, he told me the other day, which makes him older than he was then and me absolutely ancient. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, so I've watched Jatinda. Uh, as it were, from his undergraduate days uh, at UCL, you know, here, just over the road, down, down to the Institute of Commonwealth Studies, and then through there to King's, and then off to Sydney, uh, then to Canada, and now back again. So he's, he's, he's sort of circled the globe, or the English-speaking globe, sort of skirting around the United States and one or two other places. Um, and is, is one of, a, of a, gen, a new generation of scholars for whom multicultural, multi-archival, multinational uh, research uh, is, is their uh, staple. Um, and it's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, it was very difficult to do this sort of thing years ago. It's still very difficult to do it, but it's now more possible for digital reasons as well as for, 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 for other uh, reasons. Um, so Jatinda belongs to a generation, and many of you in the room do as well, uh, for whom uh, transglobal or transnational uh, history uh, is, is, is doable and interesting. Uh, the generation before that, the one that I belonged to, used to dream about doing these things and we used to do bits of it, uh, but very difficult to do. Comparative history, and this was always difficult, still is. This is the other thing that Jatinda does. Comparative history requires you not to keep four or five balls in the air like a normal juggler but to keep 10 or 12 balls in the air because you're working several countries, several archives. Now, this book is the product of a, we're a new wave of historical scholarship uh, that does those things and does it uh, effortlessly. Very important for that and a long gestation in a way because it goes back to, uh, to, to, to the early days of that sort of research in, at, the, at the end of the, of the last century, I can say, uh, now, uh, now 16 or so years ago. Um, and the design of the cover, I mean, gives you a sense of that. I mean, it's worlds within worlds within worlds against a white background. So the whiteness of white Canada, English Canada, if you like, or English French, Anglo-French Canada, and the whiteness of white Australia interrogated and looked at in the long durée. That's another element of this book that makes it interesting. Instead of just looking at multicultural policy, so-called as it developed in the 1950s, 60s and 70s, Jatinda said, no, well, let's look at the roots of it. Let's, look at, let's go back to the 1890s uh, and look at the, at the white Canada policies and the white Australia policies and how they evolved and how they then uh, fit into the, the new evolutions. Um, hundred years, two continents, two countries against the background of a lot of other countries, and actually archivally based research, uh, not speculation based on a few ideas that you might have, uh, which you read in uh, many journals these days, passing for scholarship. Bit of thinking, uh, but not necessarily. So Jatinda's done all of these things in this book. And, uh, you know, it's readable, uh, which, uh, <laughs> which many of these things aren't as well. Um, I suppose 
intellectually, um, the origins of the book go back to, 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 to a couple of things. I mean, one, one Jatinder's own, own background, I think, um, uh, and family background. Uh, but also, I suppose, there's a moment uh, in the evolution of British history, British imperial history, um, related to Britain and Europe, uh, but also related to other things going on, where around about the early 1990s, people started thinking about Britain as an example of a wider set of things. So Britain is one English-speaking place um, among others. So let's look at Australia and Canada the United States and so on, not, not just as, as national histories, or the histories of those places as national histories, but to compare them and to see them all coming from uh, a range of common ideas and common roots. Now, that's going back to a very old sort of imperial history, uh, but looked at, as it were, from the other end of the telescope. Uh, we, uh, in the Institute of Commonwealth Studies, who started talking about this uh, in, in the 1990s, talked about it as British world history. Uh, the idea of a British world with multiple metropoles, if you like, um, becoming each um, more important uh, and talking to each other in an imagined wider British community, which, which is, isn't, you know, isn't not conflicted. Uh, it is conflicted and it does evolve in different ways in different places. What Jatinder's done here is to look at, at two uh, leading examples of countries where um, policies on the, which on the surface look similar and have similar roots in some ways uh, also uh, evolve according to, 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 to where they are. So the Canadian situation, for instance, uh, and this is massively oversimplifying what, what Jatinda does, uh, starting in the 1890s, I suppose, um, although it's, it's a place of British roots in one sense, the state is, it's also a place of French roots, unlike Australia, which is essentially... All British, not all, of course, but overwhelmingly so at the time. So there was... Canada was more complex from the start. Canada evolves some of these new policies earlier. You then add the Ukrainians and the Italians and various others, and, of course, the, 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 uh, the, the, the uh, original nations. Uh, and Canada's, interestingly enough, comes up with multicultural policies a generation before Australia does. Now, Australia doesn't copy Canada. It copies Canada's rhetoric to some extent. But the Australian evolution is different. Multiculturalism in Australia emerges because of a, 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 a complex wave of, my, of immigration uh, into Australia in the 1960s and 70s, uh, where uh, the old centre would no longer hold. Uh, one of the things that Jatinder finds, and he traces all of this in his book, but one of the things that, that, that he finds that's interesting, by studying the rhetoric of the politicians, and this is another thing, he went to Sydney where they're big on that, uh, learnt about studying rhetoric under, under James Curran and Neville Maney, and who better in the world, and then took that back to Canada, where they don't do it as well, I don't think, uh, although you might argue differently, <laughs> um, and, uh, and found that by examining the rhetoric of the politicians, that in fact some of these things were, were older and deeper, and some unusual suspects. Uh, Saint Laurent in Canada, uh, not Trudeau, although Trudeau comes into the picture, of course, later. Trudeau number one, I should say. Um, and in the Australian case, not so much Gough Whitlam, who's well and truly identified with this, but Malcolm Fraser, who succeeded him, who actually made a lot of it happen. Now, Malcolm Fraser, a very conservative figure indeed, cantankerous, difficult, but on this one, uh, seemed to see, see the light. So findings in the book, so you've got the comparative level, mega comparative level, but also getting down to, to looking at the rhetoric of individual politicians, individual moments, uh, where these things 
happen. Now, at, a, at an even deeper level, what this book does is to trace the evolution from, uh, as it were, a, a racially based subjecthood, a racially based subjecthood, subject of the crown within an empire, uh, Europeans, um, to a civ civically based citizenship. So the triumph of a, of a set of liberal ideas, liberal ideas which were always there to some extent or other, uh, in an imperial and a commonwealth context, which perhaps triumphed first in the old colonies rather than in Britain itself, although it's an interesting question that. I mean, Britain comes to some of these things a bit later, but Canada does a lot of this stuff first, Australia does, and New Zealand, it depends what you're looking at, uh, who starts where, uh, does a lot of these things first, and then these things get as it were, imported back to, back to the mother country, if you want to use uh, that, that term. Uh, and you have this strange phenomenon uh, of a republican citizenship embedded within an empire, uh, which is invented uh, in Canada and Australia and New Zealand and to lesser extent in South Africa. Uh, in, and Britain then just has to catch up. Uh, at least that's what we say uh, out there on the edge which isn't really the edge at all, it's really the centre. Uh, and I'll leave you with that idea. <laughs> and Jatinder has been working his way around the edges and back to the centre for a long time and produced a wonderful book, and he's about to produce another one, uh, as I understand it. Uh, and uh, about to, uh, to leave us, but I'm not allowed to say where. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I think I'll stop there. Firstly, um, I would like to thank Tony for kindly agreeing to host my uh, book launch this evening as a part of the Canadian Studies Programme here at UCL IA. I would also like to express my heartfelt gratitude to Carl for your kind and generous words. When I decided that I would be having a book launch here in London, UK, Carl is one of the first people I thought of to ask to launch it, as he has been a wonderful mentor to me over the years, as well as being one of the examiners of my doctoral thesis on which my book is based. So he knows the material in this book extremely well, and perhaps you'd say too well. Um, it's probably given him nightmares, um, but uh, <laughs> is a, no. No. <laughs> we haven't got to that point yet. And therefore, it is a real honour and privilege to have Carl to launch my book here today, for whom I have the utmost respect and have always valued his advice. The writing of this book has been a journey that has taken place in different countries and continents, and I would like to thank those who have supported me throughout this venture. As mentioned above, this book grew out of my doctoral thesis, which extended into further research on the themes here, um, explored here within. I thank Peter Lang Publishing New York for agreeing to publish my monograph, and in particular I acknowledge the support received from Michelle Saliga as well as Jackie Pavlovich. Additionally, I express my gratitude to the editors of the series Interdisciplinary Studies and Diasporas, Professors Irene Marie F. Blair and Dolce Maria Scott for their guidance and inclusion of my book in the series. I would also like to thank the extremely <coughs> talented Parbinder Bachu, who is also one of my oldest best friends, um, for, for designing the wonderful image on the uh, front cover of my book, which Carl mentioned earlier. I also express my gratitude to the Canada-UK Foundation, representatives of whom are here today um, for their generous subvention which contributed to the publication of my monograph. I owe thanks to many people and institutions for their assistance during the process leading to the completion of this manuscript. In particular I recognise King's College London, University College London and I'm especially grateful that several of my colleagues and friends are here today. 
the University of Alberta, the Australian National University, Carleton University, and the Victoria University of Wellington. So you can get a, a bit of an illustration of what Carl said when he said I kind of was you know, getting around quite a bit around the globe. I thank all my friends and colleagues in these institutions for their constant encouragement and support in the writing of this book. I would especially like to mention my mentors, Professor Carl Bridge, who, as you can see, is here today, Janine Brody and Rick Halpin. I would like also to express my immense gratitude to Associate Professors Neville Maney and James Curran, who Carl mentioned, um, for their guidance and constructive criticism throughout my doctoral research. A special thank you goes to Neville for taking me under his wing when I first arrived in Australia. In particular, the dinner seminars held at his home always provided an encouraging and supportive academic environment in Sydney. His influence on my academic work will be quite obvious to readers, and I thank him for steering me in the right direction. I'm grateful to James for kindly <coughs> assuming a supervisory role after Neville's retirement. James's influence on my work will also be quite clear to the reader. And again, Carl alluded to the, um, the focus on political rhetoric. That's something James is quite renowned for. I express gratitude to the Australian Department of Education, Science and Training, now the Department of Education, Employment and Work Relations, unless, of course, they've changed their name again, for <laughs> awarding me an Endeavour International Postgraduate Research Scholarship, which contributed to financing my studies in Australia. I also thank the University of Sydney for giving, for giving me an International Postgraduate Award, without which my graduate studies in Australia would not have been possible. Gratitude is also due to the Faculty of Arts at the University of Sydney, um, for awarding me a research travel grant scheme and a postgraduate research support scheme for my research in Australia and Canada. And as I'm actually reading this, you know, it kind of makes me think, oh, well, I, I must have been a, a flush of money when I was doing my PhD, but it didn't really feel like that at the time. But, you know, I'm very grateful to all of these, um, all of these institutions. The um, staff members of the National Archives of Australia and the National Library of Australia in Canberra were always very helpful. And I would especially like to thank Kerry Ward at the NAA and the Manuscripts Division at the NLA for their assistance. My research in Canada took place at the Library and Archives Canada in Ottawa, and I thank all the staff in both the Library and Archives divisions for their assistance. In particular, I acknowledge Nisa McLeod. I'm also very grateful to the late Professor George Jerzy Zabutsky for giving me permission to look at some of his unpublished research materials. Dr. Mary Elizabeth Corwell deserves thanks for allowing me to consult sections of Arthur Corwell's papers. He was a um, former Minister for Immigration and uh, uh, leader of the opposition as well, that are not uh, available to the public. Additionally, the Honourable Mark Lalonde gave me permission to consult some restrictive parts of the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Fund, so Trudeau Senior. Gratitude is also due to the staff at Fisher Library at the University of Sydney. And additionally, I express my thanks to International House, um, also at the University of Sydney, which became my home while I lived in Australia. I also received support from the Women's Committee Bursary and Ian Hudson Scholarship. The staff members of the International Student Support Unit at the University of Sydney were also a great help, especially Maria Perello. I thank the Menzies Centre for Australian Studies at King's College London for their seminar series, which enabled me to continue to be a part of the academic world when I returned to the United Kingdom. To all of my friends in Australia, Canada, New Zealand and the UK, thank you all for your encouragement throughout this journey. Lastly, but certainly not least, I thank my family for their financial and emotional support over the course of my studies and the writing of this book. It would not be an exaggeration to say that without them, I would not have been able to complete this project. I would especially like to mention my mother, Charon Corman, for her unwavering and unconditional support. My elder sister, Dr. Pamindaman, instilled in me from a very young age a love of history, and for this I will forever be grateful. 
both she and my other sister, Indigit, were a constant source of encouragement, and I'm very pleased that Indigit is here today. I won't embarrass her by asking her to wave. Um, my nephews and nieces all around the world deserve thanks for always making me laugh and thus, pus, and thus put things into perspective, which I'm sure a lot of people who work in academia will appreciate. So all that is left for me to say is a thank you to all of you for being here, my first ever book launch in my home city of London, UK. And if the book has caught your interest, please feel free to order a copy and or suggest your inst institutional library buy one. They, there are flyers which Carl mentioned as well and Tony did, which offer you a 30% discount, which makes the book a lot more reasonably priced in my opinion. And a display copy of the book is also available at the front. Um, so thank you. <laughs>